This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You were the only one who really had faith in the voters, Batman. Uh, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> we're all ashamed, Batman. While we were ready to desert the ship, you never lost your courage. You brought us safely through. I, I never would have believed that the polls could be wrong. There have been other candidates who've trusted too much in the polls, Marilyn Seed. And they found out that it's the votes that count. Smart politicians trust the voters, not the polls. After all, if you can't trust the voters... Whom can you trust? All right. You're listening to the Matt McNeil Show. That was Batman uh, speaking to a lot of people that that should get this message. I'm Todd Mickelson, by the way. I'm not Matt McNeil. This is the Matt McNeil Show. Todd Mickelson sitting in for Matt. Matt's taken a long weekend, um, uh, probably another covert top secret sort of thing. Do you know what's going on, Patrick? I'm not sure where he is, but that's probably one of the very few radio shows that will be introduced by Batman himself, of course, played by the late, great Adam West. That is correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I used to love that show when I was a kid, I, and I used to have dreams where me and my brother were in some sort of trouble with you know, the Joker or something, and then my dad and my uncle, who lived with us at the time, were Batman and Robin. And they never could help us because it was still just my dad and my uncle. It wasn't actually Batman and Robin. But, yes, amazing results the other night. I know Matt talked quite a lot about it. He talked a lot about the local, uh, the school board elections. Of course, my wife, Heidi, won her election. She got more percentage, uh, the highest percentage of any of the other um, candidates and the most votes. There were six candidates, one of which was kind of a uh, nefarious, like a uh, suspect. We weren't sure. Uh, I don't know that it was so far that he was. Um, I think he was actually backed by the uh, Moms for Liberty or or whatever those groups are that Matt was talking about. And, of course, they lost. So in West Tonka School District, we got the four people that we wanted. And the main thing, uh, uh, there were also a lot of referendums. And we had two. And one of them was a really big one. And a lot of people were really nervous about it. But I and I and Heidi used to be, you know, 12 years ago, we got really involved in trying to get referendums passed because it was such a red kind of district that and there was this small group of people that were always working against the referendums in West Tonka School District. And we kind of got involved and got some other parents involved and we ended up starting this group that grew bigger than we thought it would. And we got referendums passed back then. 
I mean, I made a video was kind of a it was a big. Uh, thing that helped a lot. I just took the video camera and went down into the boiler room where there it was nasty. There was two huge boilers, like as big as a train engine, two of them, and they were from 1951, 1951. So they were already 60 years old at the time. I can't do, let's see, yeah, 60 years old at the time. And there, the room itself, there was some nasty fluids leaking from places. The gymnasium was super hot. It would be like 20 degrees hotter than outside the gymnasium, you know, and these kids are in the gymnasium doing physical stuff. It was just crazy. There had been no updates since 1951 when the building was built. So I just went in and made a video and we put it on YouTube and it ended up getting something like 1,300 views, which astonished us. And those bad people who were always working against the referendums ended up, one of them actually got interviewed by KSTP News. And he said, yeah, we were up against a machine. They had uh, some kind of big money pushing behind them. And it, it wasn't. It was me and my video camera and a bunch of us parents. And we got the referendum passed and then we got more referendums passed and had a new theater built because the kids were doing uh, plays like in a lecture hall and they were changing their costumes in the hallway of the school, you know, up until this is just a few years ago. Now we have the new theater and and activity center, which actually has made a lot of money <laughs> because uh, community uh, different community uh, activities go on in there and they have to rent a room or, you know, things like that. So it's it's really smart to invest in your schools, and I'm very glad to say that both of our referendums got passed, and so it's going to improve kids' school experience even more, which I don't think you can really do that enough. So uh, very, very successful. As, as you heard Matt talk about yesterday, all of these kind of crazy groups, the um, – Mothers for Freedom, and what was the other one, Patrick? Uh, uh, Is it the Parents Alliance? Pa or? Yeah, something like that. I don't know what it is, but they lost badly. Um, um, I think if I'm remembering the numbers, I was listening to Matt because I was driving in my car. There were 44 candidates, and nine of them won. And the rest of them lost! They're losers. They're losers. Losers, yeah, they yeah, were fired. Don't ask them. They think a message was sent that parents are going to be back in charge. Yeah. Parents are in charge. I was a parent to a kid in school recently. She's in college now. And I didn't feel like I couldn't find out what she was learning. But, you know, I had to care about it. So you get these parents come into these these meetings all of a sudden and, and you're like, okay, you already have access to all that stuff you're that you're asking for access to. I do. I mean, I uh, anyway. So yeah, that got shot down, and of course, Republicans talking about women's reproductive health care rights. They're absolutely in shambles, and this time they're starting to realize it. But are they saying we need to change our message? We need to maybe think about 
how to do this differently? Maybe we need to make some compromises? No. They're saying we need to change our messaging. And and the extremists like Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're thinking that, oh, well, they didn't go hard enough on all of this craziness. They need to be more crazy. So now even some of the crazy Magots are starting to get to be called rhinos by people like her. So the Republican Party's in absolute shambles. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I wanted to focus on the fact that there was some polling just this last weekend, just a few days ago, where everybody was all panicked because it looked like Joe Biden was going to lose. And it even said that uh, people under the age of 30 are going to vote for Trump. That's just absolutely asinine. So all of these polls, and again, you've heard me say it before, either on my podcast, uh, A Satellite View, or here on AM 950, if you've heard me doing this, you've heard me say it before, that um, you can't trust the polling. Polls have not been correct at all for 20 years. They don't know how to conduct the polling anymore. A lot of it is because there's a lot more younger people. A lot of it is because of technology. Gen Z does not answer their cell phones when they get a call from a number they don't recognize. They're not part of this poll. So when we say 75% of America, if a poll comes out and says 75% of America, I think it's actually 85% of America wants reproductive health care rights, if Gen Z was a part of that poll, that number would likely be more like 95% of Americans. So that's the problem with the polling. And I can't tell you how angry I am with my friend uh, Dean Phillips for trying to scare everyone in that Joe Biden can't beat Trump. That's just absolute misguided BS. The people who know how to do this, um, people like, uh, uh, I can't remember his, his his first, oh, I can't remember his name at all. <laughs> um, Rosenberg. Uh, yeah, I'll find his name. But he he knows how to watch these things, and he knows how to find out uh, much better than the polls as to where things are. And, you know, especially talking about Biden being too old and losing his cognitive skills. Have you not been watching Joe Biden? I heard him just today. He was answering questions. Oh, it's Simon Rosenberg is the guy, by the way. Um, Joe Biden was answering questions again, standing between the White House and the screaming helicopter, and I heard clips from it. I could barely hear him. I couldn't hear the questions at all. I could just hear the screaming of the helicopter, and he didn't have any—he didn't say, what? I can't hear you. It's kind of loud here. He he heard him. He answered the questions very succinctly. He's not losing his cognitive skills, and He's been on a whirlwind all over the world for this last month. He went. It seemed like he went about two weeks without any sleep. He would fly to Israel completely on the other side of the planet, which means he's landing there at about three in the morning his time, and that's when his day just begins. 
So he's he's doing fine. And I think he knows a little better than other people know where he's at on this. And he can announce, I'm not running this time. And then my question is, what about Kamala Harris? She can win. She can beat Trump. And another thing, I put my my words uh, out in public and made the prediction, which I stopped doing after 2016, but I made the prediction that Trump is not going to be the nominee. Of course, there are at least five, or I think there are seven or nine uh, candidates left in the Republican primaries. Five of them, last, this is, we're going to talk more about this too, last night had a debate. They all think that Trump is not going to be the nominee, except maybe Vivek Ramaswamy. We love to say his name, Ramaswamy. He might be thinking that Trump is going to be president, and then he wants to be vice president. Chris Christie is trying everything he can to make sure Trump is not the candidate. Um, Nikki Haley, I think, believes Trump is not going to be the candidate. I think even though he dropped out of the race, he knew good and well that he was not going to have a chance against Trump. Um, Vice President Mike Pence, when he got in the race, I said that I think I was on the air right after he announced he was going to run, and I said, "Yeah, he he's running because he knows something that we don't know. He knows that Trump is not going to be the nominee, probably because he knows Trump may be in prison by next summer. He's going to be found so guilty in March on the January sixth uh, hearings." And they're going to sentence him, and when they sentence him, he's going to be dragged from that courtroom to prison. He's not going to be able to go back to Mar-a-Lago and play one last round of golf and, you know, get his other shoes. They're going to take him from that room and put him in prison. I do think that is going to happen, and I'm making predictions now. Uh <laughs> Very gun-shy, or I shouldn't, I hate that term. I'm very shy about doing that after 2016, where I told everybody that it would be impossible for Trump to become president. I feel a little vindicated because we found out that there was a lot of cheating going on, and there was Russian collusion. There was Russia, Russia, Russia. It actually did happen in 2016. But anyway, time for us to take a break, and I have a... Another very exciting thing you may or may not know that I'm going to announce when we come back. You're listening to AM 950, the uh, the projected. I'm so into uh, uh, election day. The projected voice. No, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. Todd Mickelson sitting in for Matt McNeil on the Matt McNeil Show. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And things change very quickly in the political biz. My friend Kelly Morrison, we successfully got her elected 
in 2018 and then reelected in 2020 to the Minnesota State House. And then in 2022, we got her through a uh, Minnesota Senate, both the primary election in the spring, and then got her elected to the Minnesota Senate. And she had her first session. And I saw her at a, an event uh, maybe six weeks ago. And I said, hey, Kelly, you don't have to run a campaign this summer. And she was very happy about that. <laughs> but she said it was weird because she's been on a pace for the last five years getting ready for reelection, you know, about the, you know, in the fall of the year before. So it's not quite constant, but a little constant when you're running for the House every two years. And running for the state Senate, she only has to run every four years. But now – because of a big change that happened with our congressman, Dean Phillips, Kelly Morrison just this morning announced that she is running for Congress for the Minnesota CD3. Here's the text I got this morning. I think it was about nine. Hi there. This is Kelly Morrison. I have big news to share with you today. I just announced I'm running for Congress, just like in my last election I'm not taking any corporate PAC or lobbyist money, so I'm going to be funding this campaign one donation at a time. We have been on quite the journey together leading up to this moment, and I couldn't do it without you. It goes on, but uh, that's the text she sent out to her supporters, and Kelly Morrison is now running for Congress, which means we might have to get her through another primary, <laughs> and... Uh, and so the tireless work restarts for Kelly Morrison, and um, we'll see if we can get her. I, I just feel like she must just be scrambling right now trying to reorganize things and and uh, because, you know, she made this decision in just a very short period of time. Dean Phillips announced less than two weeks ago, and he surprised – some would use the word betrayed, so many of us. And it sounds like Kelly did not know he was going to do that either, as well as they know each other. And um, and I saw Dean in D.C. just a month before he announced, and he made it sound like he was not going to run. Somebody even asked him, and he said, yeah, it's looking very not likely. So... Um, and we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that, about the Dean Phillips thing. Um, I, I think I have kind of a unique point of view because I worked with him since his first minute running for Congress back in late 2017, the same time Kelly was getting started running for the state house. And, and then being, you know, voting for him, having him be my first Democratic congressman in this in the area I live it for my whole entire life and uh, and he's he is a really great guy I'll, I'll always consider him a friend he is really a great guy but what he's doing now is just something that I don't approve of and uh, and kind of have some uh, some uh, you know strong feelings about but that's another subject we want to celebrate the fact that Kelly Morrison is going to make such an incredible candidate to run for Congress. 
And then uh, when I go to Washington, D.C., I can visit Kelly Morrison. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she – it's it's kind of hard, though, because we were all excited about her being senator. But because the DFL just kicked so much uh, caboose, we'll say, in this last session, Kelly being a huge part of it, you know, it seems like her job is done here, and now she's going to move on. And that's great, but it's also a little sad. But that's the thing about this political biz. Back when I first got started, Paul Thiessen was the speaker of – or became the speaker of the House the same year that I ran in 2012. Um, and, and, you know, I became friends with, with him. Aaron Murphy was heading up the uh, DFL caucus. I got to know her really well. You know, they would come come to my house for fundraisers for me to support me, and I, you know, they 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 were very supportive of me. I got to be friends with them, and then two years later, Paul's not the speaker anymore. And then a couple years after that, he's going to run for governor, and then he gets appointed to the Supreme Court, Minnesota Supreme Court. And you know, when I go visit the Capitol, he's not there anymore. And and uh, then for a couple years, Erin wasn't there because she ran for governor, and you know, wasn't in the legislature for two years. Then she re-ran and got back in. Melissa Hortman took over. I know her really well. And But someday, you know, sounds seems like she's going to stay the Speaker of the House for quite a while. But uh, it, things move fast. Um, you know, I'm the candidate for four years, and then all of a sudden I'm not, and there's somebody else that nobody has met before. And, and then, you know, I work with these campaigns and – then, you know, out in my district, running for the House is extremely difficult. So I help somebody else run for the House. They try it once or twice, and then they're gone. And then – so it's – things move so fast. So it's uh, kind of, um, you know, sweet and and sad and sweet at the same time. So very happy for my friend Kelly Morrison. Going to help her out as much as we can. And uh, I know that – Matt McNeil likes – she's very well liked by everybody. I don't know that Matt has met her in person, but um, he's talked to her. He's interviewed her, and she's just an extremely likable person. So, um, you know, anyway, I don't know what else to say about that. Another thing that happened just about maybe an hour and a half ago or less, Joe Manchin announced that he is not running for his Senate seat in West Virginia. It looks like there's one guy who's was going to primary him, and I, he, I don't even know if this is true. I just kind of saw somebody announce it, and, and I'm not sure if it's accurate or not, but he was very progressive, and I think he was even going to primary against Joe Manchin because, you know, progressives and a lot of Democrats are pretty angry at Joe Manchin. And there's a lot of talk about, well, then – Joe, it was looking like Joe Manchin was going to have trouble re-winning that seat, winning re-election there. So maybe we can take our resources that we were going to put toward him and put them somewhere else because it may be really, really hard now or or possibly impossible to get somebody else because Joe Manchin was holding on to that seat by basically being a Republican himself – He's been holding up so many important uh, Democratic 
initiatives, it's almost like we don't have the majority in the Senate because he and Cinema would vote against so many things. So I think he is calculating that he was not going to win. But then as part of his announcement, he said, I'm going to be traveling the country to see if we can bring the middle together. So kind of – and and I'm sorry, but that sounds a little bit like the way Dean Phillips has been sounding. Um, Dean won in a red district for the first time since 1959 – by being very careful. I know I've even heard Matt McNeil be mad at him even before Dean had become Matt's congressman because our, our, the lines got redrawn. So now he just became uh, Matt McNeil's congressman as well. So Kelly Morrison is running to be Matt McNeil's congressperson as well as my congressperson. Uh, I've heard Matt talk about Dean being too center, you know, like – uh, too conservative, not not liberal enough. I don't disagree with that, but I know because I'm way on the western side of Dean's district, which is now going to be Kelly's district, and I knew Dean had to do a very nuanced, careful campaign and needed to remain very careful and nuanced as a congressman or he would not be able to win re-election. But now, yeah, well, Dean has, like, gone way too far. So what is Joe Manchin going to do? Does that mean he's running for president? Does that mean Dean Phillips is going to announce Joe Manchin as his vice president? Uh, <laughs> Joe Manchin was pretty cryptic. He didn't announce that he's running for president. He just announced that he's not running for re-election, but then he's going to travel the country and try and bring the middle together and and get rid of the you know you know all the, people trying to talk about bringing the country together the country is together it's just that a very small sliver of people are crazy and want our democracy to go away We'll talk more about that when we come back from a break. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. Put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot. And a lot of young people come out and vote. It was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies are not the way to run a country. So you put That's Rick Santorum. That's what the Republican Party thinks about the country, I guess. Democracy, true democracy, is not the way to run this country. Said it out loud. <laughs> Leave it to Rick Santorum. He's still around. You know, I was talking about politics, how all of a sudden, you know, somebody runs a couple times, they lose, and then you don't hear from them again. Sadly, there's Fox News, and it seems like a lot of Republicans only run and then get elected and then announce they're not running for re-election so that they 
can become a pundit on Fox News. So they stick around. Anyway, um, that's what Republicans think about people voting in this country. They That's why they're against democracy now. They're not even covering it up. They're not even covering up the fact that they are against democracy. And it's because they know if there's a true democracy and fair elections, their party is extinct right about now. Actually, they have been thinking that for 50 years or more. Uh, Richard Nixon thought it. He undermined a peace agreement that Johnson was working on in Vietnam. He undermined that peace agreement because he knew if the peace agreement went through, then Richard Nixon would not be able to win the election to become president. So he threw a wrench in it. And Vietnam ended up going on for another six years. So that was fifth. Oh man, <laughs> time is passing. That was uh, uh, 1968, 55 years ago. The presidents began cheating the for when they if they were a Republican to win elections. Um, I don't think Ford did, but uh, Reagan did, and. Um, George H. W. Bush, he did some nasty stuff. I don't know about it being completely illegal. He was doing a lot of illegal stuff, but I don't know how the illegal stuff he was doing affected his election. Definitely his son did. Um, I, you've heard me talk about that before. So they know that if there's fair elections with no cheating and – true democracy, they cannot be in power anymore. So that's why in 2024, Trump cannot win. I say that for many reasons. <coughs> we can't afford to have him win because he will make sure democracy goes away. He will throw people in jail, beginning with some of his old friends like Bill Barr He'll try and throw Joe Biden in you know, I mean, he's going to try and do this. And I actually heard Matt McNeil come up with a, a very, very interesting philosophy about why Tommy Tuberville Tuberville is holding up the all of these uh, military appointments. And he said, what if they can hold them up until Trump becomes president and then they can put Trump's people in so that the military – will abide by what Trump tells them to do. Because the military is not supposed to do things that are illegal. And um, Trump wants to do a lot of illegal stuff. But what if he gets his own guys in all of the top parts of the military? Is that why Tuberville Tuberville is holding up all these appointments? Now, he it, he's not going to make it a, uh, until 2024, but um, because his own people have turned against him now. But another reason that Trump can't win is basically because it will be impossible for him to win because he's not going to be the nominee and he's going to be in prison. That's what I think. 
What does Jim from St. Louis Park think on line one? Hi, Jim. Um, I think that you have to go back to Eisenhower to have the last Republican president who was elected without committing treason. I agree. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, because um, uh, W wasn't elected. He was appointed by the Supreme Court. Yep. And it, and it always just bothers me when people talk about his reelection, because then you're assuming both of his elections were, were legit. And then I have a hypothetical here. So, you know, uh, War Swami and um, Nikki Haley were kind of, they go at it quite a bit, you know. And, yeah. And he insulted her, her daughter and stuff. And, um, you know, she's fond of calling him most stupid. I mean, not exactly. She called him scum you know, last or the last I, night. Yeah. <laughs> so so just hypothetical, like, you know, they're walking out to the car and they, and they, they have words in the parking lot. I think Nikki Haley might be able to take him. I, I don't know. <laughs> Just knock him off his his. Uh, no, he's not the one with the with the boots. That's Ron DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the high heels. Yeah, when when uh, when Ramaswamy when Ramaswamy said uh, Dick Cheney in three inch heels, I thought he was talking about DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the what was the movie about kinky boots? Is that a DeSantis's movie there? Oh, I don't know that movie. Oh, it's about um, it's about a bunch of uh, of uh, uh, shoemakers in um, in England who you know all the plants are closing, so they're losing their jobs, and they they start making uh, um, custom boots for uh, kinky boots for um, uh, drag performances and stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's, and it was a I think it was a musical, and it was a movie. It's it's a good movie. I liked it, but. Yeah, yeah it, well, I, from from your describing the movie, I would say yes. I think Ron DeSantis' boots were made by those guys. <laughs> Have you you've seen the the weird pictures of that of his boots? It sounds like you no, sounds like you no. you know about all this stuff. You, I'll you, have to look them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just uh, I, as a matter of fact, in my notes here, I have Bootgate written as something to talk about. I was going to talk about it later on, but go online and or you know go to YouTube and and just put in Ron DeSantis boots, and you'll see a bunch of stuff, and it's it's crazy because it's so obvious that he's got some weird going on, and uh, and he's trying to deny it, but when you actually see the All boots, it's that. like, okay, what is going on there then? One one thinks thou protest too much, right? Exactly, so. exactly. I mean, if it were me, first of all, I and somebody tried to get me to wear boots because they don't think I'm tall enough to be a candidate, I would tell them, no, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> if I did do it, and then I got asked, because he got asked point blank a couple times about it, right to his face, and he just tried to go, oh, I didn't, I didn't know people were talking about this. So then the guy said, oh, so your people haven't told you that – Everybody's making fun of your boots, and he's like, "No, they're they're just regular boots." That's how we reacted. But if it were me, I would have said, "Okay, yeah, my people think I'm not tall enough, so I'm wearing these stupid boots. I hate them, and maybe I'll stop wearing them now." But you know, I don't know or why. Maybe, you know, just, maybe you, go the other direction and you know try to point the camera down there and say, "Aren't these cool?" <laughs> these are these are some real rocking boots I got going on here. Yeah, I got them um, from I got them from the Kinky Boots uh, uh, company and. <laughs> Um, you, you know, I've heard this thing, too, um, it, you know, even like national pundits and stuff, talk about Trump like he's a friend of Social Security. Right. You know, because he, he's made some claims, so oh, I will protect Social Security. And actually, if you really like like dice his words, 
He says that people, that he won't cut benefits. Mm -hmm. But Republicans have been trying to kill Social Security for like 80 or 90 years. Yeah, since it began. Trump is the one one Republican that got closest to killing it. And and he did, but he was going to try to to drop the FICA taxes. And then they figured in three years it would have been dead. Right. So it, just, it really makes me cringe when people talk about him as being a friend of the Social Security. But. Yeah, well, the the people who are talking that way are the people who believe everything he says. And the fact is he doesn't care about anything other than himself and his image. That's why he's seems more invested in this fraud civil case where he won't go to prison, but he'll look like an idiot that you know he'll look like he's always been a crappy businessman and he's not rich he's more afraid of that than he is of going to prison so all he cares about is he himself and his image so he somebody said hey you know what would really get get you a leg up on these other republicans just announce that you're going to protect social security and then you'll be the only republican saying that and he's like okay tell me what else to say (laughs) you know because he doesn't care what he says he doesn't care if he's lying so the the people who believe him when he says that i think are the same people who believe everything he says but uh say listen jim this has been fun but we do have to take a break uh thanks so much for calling in and um and uh helping us Get a little bit of a laugh in, um, talk, yeah. And you were right, right down, uh, right down my uh, my uh, path there of talking about uh, Ron DeSantis's boots. Anyway, so that's Jim from St. Louis Park. You're listening to AM nine fifty, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. Patrick on the board and that harmonica part uh, that you just heard. When did you start playing harmonica? Uh, just yesterday. So that's probably why we're uh, about half, half the listeners just tuned out. Oh, well, really, all you did was kind of went. I mean, I think anyone could do that, right? So. Um. Yeah, so we were talking about Ron DeSantis' boot gate. There's another big gate. I don't know if you've heard of. Have you heard of Lectern Gate? Yes, I have heard of this. Yes, it involves <laughs> Sarah Huckleberry Sandbag in um, the state of misery, misery as as uh, we call it. Um, there's a guy, Matt Campbell. He's a Missourian, and he looked into some of this stuff. Apparently, she is not very well liked. By her fellow Missourians, and and by the way, Missouri, I'm I'm just having fun. I'm not trying to make fun of you. I I am a little bit, but I'm you know we're we're just goofing around. So don't be offended that I called you the state of misery. I should just stop you for one second. She's from Arkansas, not Missouri. Oh, that's correct. Yes. All right. So now all I did was I just offended uh, Missouri. And uh, was wrong about everything. Uh, Patrick corrects me. Thank you, Patrick. She's from Arkansas. Is that how you say that? Yeah, interestingly, now this is, of course, a completely different discussion. Apparently, the phonetic origins of Arkansas and Kansas are completely different. So that's kind of something fun to think about. Because Kansas is a Native American thing. Yes, I believe Arkansas is too. but Probably also is. A different 
Yeah, anyway, Lecterngate. <laughs> it's a crazy story of uh, Sarah Huckleberry Sandbag, and I, I'm, I'm not concerned whether or not she would be offended that I'm calling her that. It's her party and her old boss that started calling people names. So I'm just going along with you know what she believes in. She got caught uh, charging $19,000 to a friend of hers company. Her friend is called uh, – her name is Virginia Beckett, and she has an event services company. And Sarah uh, – Huckabee Sanders is the governor, of course, of Arkansas, and she used taxpayer money to pay her friends' event services. And on the uh, receipt for that, it says that she bought a lectern from her friend's event services company, which right off the bat doesn't make any sense. Another thing that doesn't make any sense is that the lectern cost $19,000. One thing that does make sense is $19,000 is just below the reporting limit when you spend taxpayer money. So if she were to spend $20,000, she would have had to report it. But since she only spent $19,000, she didn't have to report it. But this guy, Matt Campbell, an Arkansan, who was looking into this, found this information. He also found a photo of Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Virginia Beckett and Hannah Stone, two of uh, Sarah's friends, and they took a trip right around the time that that invoice was dated. They took a trip to France, a country that I thought Republicans hate, but— I guess Sarah Huckabee Sanders loves France. So $19,000, huh? Trip to France. No, I, I bought a lectern for the people of Kansas. She's never been seen using the lectern. And pictures of the lectern that nobody knows if, if the lectern exists, but I mean, it must exist, but they don't know that it exists in the uh, Arkansas capital or wherever she presides as governor. When she was talking about it, she was using a different lectern. So then people said, well, why are you not using your your new fun $19,000 lectern? And she said, because that would be all anybody talked about. She just came up with a sorry excuse. So this lectern uh, likely cost more like $500 if she even bought it. But now there's another scandal. Matt Campbell releases a text saying, I don't know, y'all, I kind of doubt Sarah Sanders' payments to, uh, quote-unquote, a company called Account Test, and their address is 123 Report Street, Anytown, Arkansas, and the zip code is 79999. And she pays $1,400 once a month to that, and nobody knows what it is. Nobody can figure out what it is. And then a third scandal, uh, I need to find the details of it here. Um, This is, he writes another one, but if you really want a head scratcher this evening, 
Try to make sense of Sarah Sanders spending $53,041 payment to a small mom-and-pop diner in Little Rock for consulting political. That's what it says. That's what she paid for, consulting-political. And she wrote that check less than a month after she was inaugurated as governor. Another woman in Arkansas, uh, Jess Delouche, she said, I talked to the owner of that small diner and can assure everyone that she, the, the owner doesn't know about this, doesn't know about getting paid $53,000 from the governor of the state she lives in. So what is going on? These are crimes. These are extremely serious crimes. Plus, she lied then when she got caught with this. She wrote something on that first lectern um, invoice that said, oh, the legislature is going to pay this back. And then the legislature did pay it back, but it's still just taxpayer money. Highly illegal stuff that she's doing as governor. There are a lot of – and the legislature in Arkansas is doing a formal investigation. She could end up getting thrown in prison. Seriously. She's breaking serious laws. Anyway, the end of our number one. We'll be back with our number two in a few minutes. You're listening to The Matt McNeil Show. I'm Todd Mickelson. Sitting in for Matt McNeil. We'll be back. Hooray for red state fiscal responsibility. Exactly. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, one thing that I want to point out, th- this week, I mean, uh, it's crazy. The Trumps, the Trump family testifying on the stand, including Donald Trump on Monday, Ivanka Trump on Wednesday, Last week was, uh, who were the two, Beavis and Butthead Trump, um, testifying on the stand. Something that I don't know Donald Trump has ever done. And he uh, couldn't handle it, of course. That happened last night. We're going to, in a minute here, start talking about what went on at the Republican debate. That was just last night. And just the night before that, Tuesday night, incredible results in elections, where, again, Democrats just outperformed and way overperformed and, for some reason, again, surprised everybody. How many times do we need to be surprised? You know, we were surprised after Kansas. Then we were surprised after Wisconsin. There, you know, I'm going to talk about that. It, in Kentucky— There is part of Kentucky that Trump won by 60 points, 60 points, and Democratic governor on this last Tuesday turned that around and won that district by, I think, five or six points. I think it was six points. That's a 66-point turnaround. Now, there are a lot of nuances in that, you know, the president and the governor, two different things. But 
it's still incredibly amazing. I'm going to play a clip for you right now of Andy Bashir, the guy who just got reelected as the Kentucky Democratic governor. And here is his philosophy on what happened. Well, I think candidates should run for something and not against someone. I think what you saw last night was a rejection of anger politics, of attempting to divide us, and of gross partisanship. People are tired of the constant bickering, of seeing the world in red or blue, or Team D or or Team R. I think everybody who runs for office ought to come with the very best ideas about how to move us forward. I mean, I look back on, on the primary in 19, and Rocky and I were running against each other, but we didn't attack each other. We didn't go negative against each other. We talked about our ideas, and here we are today, friends, a big part of this administration, moving uh, the Commonwealth forward. Uh, So my suggestion to to everybody is make sure you're running first because you really care about people and you really want to make a difference. And then tell everybody how you want to do it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think he's got his thumb on the – what's going on right now. I think that I think he's correct about how most people are feeling. And you can hear it even in the turning points now with Trump. In the debate last night, they were saying things like Trump is a different guy now than he was in 2016. Now he's running you just hear him talk about things for himself. In 2016, you know, of course this is BS, but In 2016, he was running for all of us. He was running for the unheard voices. He wasn't running for that. He was was running, he was expecting to lose, and he thought this would help his brand by being a presidential candidate. It was just to make more money off his name on his buildings that it's looking quite likely he's going to lose these buildings because I mentioned uh, the Trump family going on trial, and it looks like they're going to not be able to afford to pay the penalties, and they're going to have to liquidate. And I've heard uh, people who understand how these things work, I've heard them say, Mar-a-Lago. He might lose Mar-a-Lago. He's almost definitely going to lose Trump Tower because he doesn't really even own Trump Tower. He only owns the retail space in the bottom, and then the rest of it, is that you know the all the apartments are owned by the people who bought the apartments so trump tower big gaudy 80s looking golden letters might get taken down from 5th avenue in new york but what andy bashir is talking about here is people getting sick of the fighting america is together Mostly. It's just that a very small amount, and then sadly the loudest voices, are the ones who are doing all this contention. It's not from both sides. People always say, oh, well, you know, it happens on the far left, too. No, it doesn't. The far, if you want to say the most liberal uh, people in Congress, both in the Senate and the House, They're all in lockstep. The Democrats are in lockstep, and they're getting stuff done, and they've gotten a lot done. You don't have AOC complaining about it or Bernie Sanders complaining about it, you know, because they can see that we're moving forward. Maybe 
things aren't as liberal as they would like, but they can see that we're going much more liberal because the country is liberal. Again, 85% of people want women to keep their reproductive health care rights. 85% of people think we should have uh, restrictions on gun ownership. And in those polls, like I said earlier, if Gen Z was a part of those polls, it wouldn't be 85%. It would be 95%. Very sm- and and pe- Republicans are leaving the Republican Party. A part of the reason this is happening and they're just absolutely in shambles is because there's no brain power left in the party. And now they have... I don't know, somebody who's really weird as their new speaker. They didn't vet him, so he's being vetted after they put him in. He's scrambling to try and scrub the Internet of all of his craziness from the last few years. People are finding out he doesn't have any bank accounts. How can you exist in today's economy? People usually don't even get a paycheck. To take to the bank, what it, you know that you just get it put right in your bank account. Everything's done electronically. So does he demand to get a written check, and then he takes it to the bank and gets pure cash, and then keeps it in a jar in his freezer? I mean, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Other weird. That stuff about him, but I, I did want to get to talking about the debate last night, and and of course that bounces right off of kind of what I'm talking about. The Republicans, even though they just got their cabooses handed to them again on Tuesday night, uh, Virginia, the governor there that and I'm confused as to why people keep calling him so smart because I have seen no evidence of it he was asking so what they held the senate no they held the house and he wanted the republicans to take the senate or was it the other way around kind of doesn't matter He's a Republican governor. He wanted to pass a 15-week abortion ban. And he thought he was a genius because, hey, this is kind of a compromise. It's not a compromise, but he thinks it is. He thinks, oh, Democrats will go along with that, right? I'll I'll even put like, yeah, if you were raped or had incest uh, is what the cause of your pregnancy is, you you can still get an abortion after 15 weeks. I'll even throw that in. Man, the Democrats are going to love this. But anyone else, you can't have an abortion after 15 weeks. The Democrats are going to love it. No, instead the Democrats came out in Virginia and again surprised everybody, took the House, kept the Senate. I think that's what it was. I think I think the Republicans had the House. So now the Republican governor, who by the way everybody was talking about would be their best bet for a president – presidential candidate, and I think he was thinking, yeah, I'm going to win back the House, I'm going to pass this anti-abortion bill, and then 
maybe I will run for president because that would make me a huge hero, right? Well, now he can't do any of that because now he lost the House. He doesn't have any part of the legislature. Now he can't do anything he wants to do whatsoever. So now he's out of the picture. Trump will be out of the picture when he gets thrown in prison in maybe May or June or July. I think uh, Iowa, I think there's a chance DeSantis will win and then Trump will be all mad and he'll go against, you know, he'll start talking about the the Iowa um, governor who just endorsed DeSantis. But I've heard interviews with people in Iowa saying the same thing that people were saying, the, the, can, the other uh, candidates um, for, for the primary were saying, Trump is not the same as he was in 2016. He's running on different things now, and it's just all about him, him, him. And I think we need somebody else. And, you know, and yeah, Trump is old and kind of freaky. So, yeah, I'm ready for someone else. And and it sounds like Iowans are kind of leaning toward DeSantis. I think there's a really good chance Nikki Haley is going to end up being the Republican nominee. I do not think she will go on to be president. I think she'll do better than Trump would do against Biden or any Democrat. I think she would do better than Trump. But to the point that I I would be a little nervous on election night, but again, she gets asked about a national abortion ban. She's going to say some crap that she thinks maybe Democrats can stomach, but there is no compromising on this. You want to take away reproductive health care rights for women, period. And we don't trust you when you say you don't want to do that, which is kind of what she said. So we are going to get into I, – I ended up watching the stupid debate last night. I'll admit I waited till it was over and I fast-forwarded here and there. But I got the gist of all, all of the questions. Wow. I did it because I knew I was coming on the radio and I didn't want you to have to do it. So I was going to report about it. And uh, it was excruciating, man. Um, uh, really, you should send me money or or something. Um, you know, take me out for drinks or dinner for watching the debate for you. All of you listening to this. I, You should treat me to something. Um, anyway, so, but we it, let's take a break and then I'll come back and I'll start to, I promise, I'll finally start to get into last night's crazy republic. And it wasn't crazy, really. It was boring, super boring. But, uh, but yeah, they're not getting it. And we'll talk about why I think that. When we come back, you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil show. Matt will be back next Tuesday. So you get me here today, tomorrow, and Monday from 3 to 5 here on the mighty AM 950. So we're going to get into the debate. Um, and I don't. it's not even really going to take all that long because it was – it was, I mean, there there were a couple moments that were interesting. Um, Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaskanami, we love to say his name. He's, he's just there trying 
to get sound bites. So he's trying to, you know, sort of be contentious and say some crazy stuff. But one notable thing, or a couple notable things, it was ran by MSNBC instead of Fox. The other two were ran by Fox. Um, and MSNBC, for some stupid reason, included uh, – um, I can't remember his name. Some right-wing uh, guy. Um, oh, I'm picturing – you know, I know his name. And whenever I'm on the radio and I'm trying to think of somebody, I can't – Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt. So Hugh Hewitt – actually, Hugh Hewitt was being fairly reasonable. But in real life, he's a crazy maggot. Who says he's not? But he is. If you're still a Republican, you're a crazy maggot. I'm sorry. There's, there's, you know, uh, that's what they have become. So I don't know what the future is. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. Notable things, no questions about climate change. No questions about guns, even by MSNBC. They did ask about abortion and women's health care rights. Um, for a little while, I thought, are they not even going to go there? Is this just a, you know, the the Republicans made a deal with MSNBC saying, no, you can't ask us about anything that would be hard for us to answer. Talking about uh, things going on right now overseas. And, of course, the United States giving funding, uh, aid, both to Israel and to Ukraine. There's a package that uh, Biden wants to do that's $105 billion, I believe, that would include Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. Rasmin He just said, no, I don't think we should send money to Ukraine. And then he said all this crazy stuff about Ukraine that I don't think is true, but this is what some of these people do. They say something super crazy, and they know you don't know if it's true, and they also know that you can't even really look it up because it's crazy, but you can't prove that it's not true, so they kind of get away with it a little bit. But one of the things he said is that they have a Nazi comedian in cargo pants as their new president. He's talking about Zelensky. He's calling him a Nazi for some reason. You know who else calls him a Nazi? Putin. Nobody else. Just Putin and Vivek Ramsgamabi. And but he also went on to name provinces. He said, and you know, and and that the other things in those countries. Hey, you know, that's how he talks kind of in those countries. It's really weird. He's uh so Annoying. Um, you know, some people would say he's very punchable. I don't like violence. I've never punched anybody. But I understand when people call him punchable. <laughs> and so he says, names some provinces that have kind of hard to pronounce names. And you can tell that he just studied this and, and then rehearsed the names of three provinces in uh, Ukraine. He even points out that probably nobody else on the stage could even name any of these provinces. 
So he names those provinces and he says, those have been uh, Russian-speaking people since 2014. Those have not even been a part of Ukraine, and those have been Russian since 2014. Of course, Russia illegally annexed places in 2014. He, he doesn't mention that part. And then Nikki Haley comes on, and you can tell she's got an overview of the world, at least. She says Putin and she are salivating for someone like that becoming president, pointing at Vivek Ramaswamy. Then in my notes I put, you know, at least she has a worldview. She talks about that Taiwan wants us to support Ukraine and wants Ukraine to be victorious because China is watching that to see whether or not that, you know, what the chances are that they can take over Taiwan. So she's seeing a, a whole world view. You know, she's mixing together what's going on in Russia and then that China and even North Korea has skin in the game. You know, so she's saying why we need to do this. And Vivek is looking like, oh, I should have maybe studied that part of it too. I, all I did was looked up the name of some provinces and practice saying their name and then making sure I point out that nobody else probably except me knows the name of those provinces. It's just such a snide little stuck-up little um, – DeSantis uh, said he will deport all Middle Eastern Easterners. <laughs> um, he said uh, on this subject, he didn't really talk about this subject. He didn't really answer the question. He talked about our open borders. So he's like, why should we worry about other open borders when we have our open border and people are coming through? If when I become president, I will deport all Middle Easterners who are coming through our border. Okay. Yeah, that's just sounding like Trump. He's just trying to be Trump on uh, with high heels. Uh, Christie had also, he talked kind of like Nikki. And he said, yeah, you can really see the inexperience here in somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy. And then he pointed out some of the same things that Nikki Haley pointed out. Um, Rick Scott or Tim Scott was just – he was just kind of talking about God a lot and stuff and saying that the whole problem with the United States is that Jesus isn't uh, president or something. He, he's, he's just sounding like he's going way too far on the mixing of church and state. They talked about uh, the readiness of our military, and they talked about Taiwan, and um, and of course this was a Hugh Hewitt question. He said Donald Trump wanted to have six hundred or, or uh, the the six hundred warships of the Reagan era are gone, and Donald Trump wanted us to get up to three hundred and fifty five. Uh, it was about at 300 when he was president, and now we're at 291. So he's trying to point out that, you know, Democrats don't uh, take care of the military enough. And some of the people tried to talk about it, and you could tell that they didn't really know what they were talking about, except Chris Christie. He said something that's more important, the thing that has been a deterrent for China to invade Taiwan is that they don't know how many nuclear submarines we have in the area. So the the ships is kind of old school. 
what they're scared of is our nuclear submarines. Our nuclear submarines have the capability of being very stealth and being around that area. And China, at no given moment, know how many of those are around. And that's why they're laying off of Taiwan. So it's not about supporting our our warships. It's about supporting our nuclear submarines. That's our you know, best weapon. Now, of course, you have Donald Trump talking to this Anthony Pratt, who's a just a rich guy who's wanting to get richer. He actually is from Australia, and he got a membership at Mar-a-Lardo so that he could hang out with Trump. And he then went talking to his friends about some of the stuff Trump is telling him. And Trump is just trying to show off, like, I was president. You want to hear some of the stuff they told me? Oh, I, uh, nuclear submarines. They, you can't believe what they're capable of doing. Here's what they can do. This is classified top secret information, so you probably shouldn't tell anybody. But I'm going to tell you right now. And he then got subpoenaed, and he said, well, I've told – he, as he remembers, I've told about 45 people. This Anthony Pratt guy has spread uh, nuclear submarine – top secret to at least 45 people. And, you know, you t- you tell 45 friends, and then they tell 45 friends, and then they tell 45 friends. This is reason number 643,000 why Trump should have never been and should never again be president of the United States. I still can't believe it happened. Uh when it came to e- the economy, they, of course, talked about Bidenomics needs to be all torn up. First day I get in there, I'm going to take the Bidenomics and tear it up. Even though Bidenomics has done all this stuff, brought jo- you know, created um, 14 million jobs in only two and a half years. Uh, all the other stuff that you hear on this radio station quite a lot about what Bidenomics has, has done. Our our GDP is unbelievable. Our unemployment is unbelievable. In in all in the good directions, and that's coming off of a historically injured economy. So they say the the only secret. The question was, what would you do to relieve Americans of the high prices at the grocery store and the gas pump, and then. Uh, Tim Scott said, oh, we need to open up that pipeline. They said, well, no, that's going to take some time. So uh, what would you do to immediately help? And, of course, none of them could come up with anything. But they all talked about energy independence, which we have. They talk about we're going to open up more drilling. No, companies already have the rights to drill in all kinds of places, and they're not using that right to drill. Partially because they want prices to stay high. And partially because they don't want to spend the money because now they've used up so much of the oil that drilling is way more expensive because you've got to go way deeper. That's why they have fracking and all this other crazy stuff. And so all of them talked about, we need to I, – I will open up our energy independence right away. As a matter of fact, we, we should have energy dominance and it should be oil and coal. That's their economic – plan. And the final thing they talked about was abortion. 
Tim Scott, even though it just lost in Virginia, said, I would have a 15-week abortion ban. All Americans will love that. No, no. Even Republicans don't like that. They voted against it in Virginia. Rasmawami said, what we need to do in this country is we need to have sexual responsibility for men. That will solve the abortion problem as far as he's concerned. Nikki Haley said, we need to stop the judgment. You know, each state has their different things. I don't judge people for being pro-choice, and I wish they wouldn't judge me for being pro-life. So people can be what they want. If the states pass a pro-choice bill, I won't like it very much, but I also won't judge it. So that'll solve the abortion problem as far as she's concerned. Christie says we should trust the states. Okay, we already know that we shouldn't trust the states because some of the states want to put women in jail if they leave the state to get an abortion. So all of them, none of them are trying to say, okay, well, you know, it's looking like America. I've even seen uh, polling that Americans, 85%, want women to keep their reproductive health care. So I'm that's kind of where I'm going now. I You know, I'm running to be the president of Americans and 85% of Americans want us to stop trying to ban abortions. None of them said that. No Republican will say that. And that's why none of them can win to be president. And we'll talk a little bit more about the nuances of that, but we're late to take a break. Let's take a break. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Todd Mickelson, sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show on this Thursday, November 9th, 2023, in the Space and Time Continuum. Something that happened today, another thing that happened today, on top of Kelly Morrison announcing that she's going to run to be my congresswoman, uh, there is an agreement between Israel and the United States, and apparently Hamas, but who knows what Hamas is going to do. But um, Israel is saying, yeah, we will, for four hours every day, we will let, you know, we'll, we'll open up new places for Palestinians to get out of northern Gaza, and we will also make sure that humanitarian care comes in during that four-hour period every day. Uh, two days ago, 90-some trucks went in with humanitarian aid. Yesterday, about 105 trucks went in. They want to get that up to 150 trucks every day. People need water. They need fuel to run some of the stuff, even including things that are keeping people alive in hospitals. They need more medical supplies. There's some nasty, horrible stuff going on over there right now. And they need a lot of help. So that's something in the news. Uh, apparently this has been going on a little bit, but it's uh, um, the United States has been urging Israel actually for, a, for more of a longer uh, ceasefire, at least three days. And um, right now they, they have uh, negotiated and gotten some more humanitarian help to go in and some more people – to get out of harm's way. Uh, it's still, you know, maybe not good enough, but it's a, it's a war. It's tough. 
and I'm glad to hear the the Biden administration is caring about Palestinian people and uh, innocent bystanders. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to go into the whole um, all of that's going on in the Israeli war right now. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't know. Um, right now, I, I told you that we were talking about the Republicans and women's reproductive health care rights and how they're not changing on it. I think that this proves that the GOP wants to have a problem. They don't want to have a solution. They didn't want to overturn Roe v. Wade. and Somebody just didn't get the right memos because now they're the dog that caught the car. And now they... That was the biggest rattling of the hornet's nest they could have possibly done. And now Democrats are super engaged and enraged and showing up at the polls. And the Republicans are like, oh, man, I did not know there were that many hornets in that nest. We were... we wanted to keep arguing about Roe v. Wade. We wanted to keep talking about how horrible the Democrats are for killing babies. And now we, now that we overturned Roe v. Wade, we can't talk about that anymore. So they desperately try and talk about the border. Another problem that they want to keep, they don't want a solution to. They want to talk about Joe Biden's letting in all the terrorists. There was a couple terrorists arrested at the border. Okay, so Donald Trump was letting in the terrorists. Joe Biden is arresting the terrorists. So that argument doesn't really work for people who have a brain in their head. And you saying things like, okay, I know, I know how to appease the Democrats. Let's just have a 15-week abortion ban. That, that'll be good. Because if a woman goes to the final month, say, now she was intending to have that baby, she was probably very happy and excited about being becoming a mother and having a baby. But a horrible complication happened that will either harm or kill the baby or harm or kill her. And the doctor says, the only way that you're going to live or the only, is to have an abortion. And so if your baby were to be born, it probably couldn't live longer than a few minutes, or it would have this problem or that problem or this or that, and you would be dead. Republicans want that woman to die. But they think, oh, let's just have a 15-week abortion. They don't understand, and they don't listen to how this works. So now they have to talk about some sort of abortion ban, or they can't keep their base But if they talk about some sort of abortion ban, they lose 85% of Americans. And that's what's been going on in all of these elections, these state elections where they're trying to sneak them in like in August and hope that nobody shows up. But Democrats are showing up. They're not getting away with anything anymore. And now they regret solving the problem that they were working on for 50 years of overturning Roe v. Wade. Now they're totally screwed. Can I say that on the radio? I don't know. I think by pointing out that I, that I maybe shouldn't say it on the radio is what makes people think the thing that we shouldn't be talking about on the radio. Anyway, 
<laughs> We're all adults here, right? Anyway, um, so that's why they can't win the presidency. They're going to be asked, do you want a nationwide abortion? And even if they say, well, not a full one, just, just maybe a 15-week ban. Or Chris Christie. Now he's saying, I think we should leave it up to the states. Okay, what about those states that want to throw women in jail if they need to, the story I just told, if they get to the final month and they can't get an abortion in this state they live in, so they go to another state, well, when they come back to this state, we're going to put them in jail. Um, even if they want an abortion before 15 weeks, that state will put that woman in jail. I mean, so that's what happens if you leave it up to the states, Chris Christie. You, that's what you're saying you want America to be like? Yeah, you can't win the presidency. Nikki Haley, yeah, she's basically the same thing. Leave it up to the states. And the states that vote pro-life, don't judge them. And then I promise I won't judge the states that vote pro-choice. That's how you want America to be? So you still want women to get thrown in prison if they're trying to save their own lives or if they've been raped by their family member or anybody. You want them in some of the states. They need to go ahead and have that baby, even if they're 10 years old. You want that in in some states. You want that. And you don't want pro-choice people to judge those states. Okay. Thank you, Nikki. I will be voting for Biden. I've been a Republican my whole life, but I'm now voting for Biden. And I'm a man. I have a daughter and a wife and even women friends. And I don't want them to get thrown in jail or die. So no, Nikki. I'm a Republican man, and I'm voting for Biden because of your view on abortion. None of them have a view on abortion that will win them the election. If they go all the way and say, we need to have a ban across the whole country no matter what, then they only get their base. Now, if they say something reasonable like, no, I understand – this and that 85% of Americans want women to have reproductive health care rights, then they lose their base and they can't win because they're not going to get Democratic votes. And now they get even less votes because they lose their base. And that's why they're sticking to this because they at least want to get their base. But they all know, these people know that they're doomed. So I don't know exactly what the plan is over there anymore. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the fact that Republicans are becoming extinct and can't win an election anymore. When we come back from a short break, you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. Matt will be back next Tuesday. I will be here today, tomorrow, and Monday. And also you can hear my podcast, A Satellite View. It comes out weekly, usually on uh, like Sunday night. And uh, I do a lot of the same thing that you hear me do here. And you can find it by going to am950radio.com. Click on the Programs link, 
and scroll down a little bit and you can find the super cool graphic and logo for a satellite view. Click on it and listen. It's got, a, I think, uh, I'm on like the 36th or 37th, maybe, maybe even higher than that episode already. Been doing it for more than a year now. So um, there, there was a hiatus. That's why it doesn't add up to 52. <laughs> we were talking about elections and how the Republicans really rattled the hornet's nest. And now, then, a couple guys who really know a lot about how these things actually work. Um, there's So I, I told you about Joe Manchin just today saying that he's not running for re-election. We don't know if he's going to try and be a candidate for president, maybe with the no labels. You know, people have been speculating about that. I personally think he'll take more votes away from the Republicans than he will from Joe Biden, but whatever. But people are saying Joe Manchin retires, making Democrats' brutal 2024 Senate map even more brutal. And then Ezra Levin, uh, he writes, I'm seeing this take a lot, but for the record, most of us assumed Manchin was toast once Jim Justice got in the race, his Republican opponent. We were not planning any investments in that race, and I don't know anybody who was. Ezra Levin works a lot with um, uh, elections and raising money and, and funding. Simon Rosenberg is somebody who really knows how to watch what's going on on the ground and many other things, not just the polls, but he is he knows the most about how to read polls than anybody that I have come across, I believe. But he talks about other things. He says, the strong Democratic performance over two elections in states across U.S. is a sign of the institutional strength. And by that he means money, campaigns, candidates, and a narrative of the Democratic Party and institutional weakness of the Republicans. Democrats are much stronger now, better at understanding how to win. And that, if if there's a silver lining in the horrible dark cloud of Donald Trump becoming president, this is the result. The Democratic Party, I believe, is more robust then certainly it's been, well, I don't know. It was pretty robust in the 1970s. But uh, in a, a couple generations, the Democratic Party was weak in the 90s. Bill Clinton was bending over backwards to appease the Republicans. And even uh, even Barack Obama was doing that too much, which is, I think, you've probably heard me say it before, why Barack Obama is on the phone with Joe Biden every day saying, Joe, don't do what I did. Stand up to these. And then I he uses a word I can't use on the radio. They're horrible. Um, uh, Simon Rosenberg goes on to say uh, what we discussed. In, uh, blah, blah, blah. So in the spring of 2020 when Dobbs happened and the, also Uvalde and other mass shootings happened, extremist Republican abortion trigger laws took effect. And when the January 6th committee began its public work, all of that. Three days after Dobbs, our candidate in an unfunded Nebraska House special election outperformed our 2020 results by 10 points. In the five House special elections after Dobbs, our candidates outperformed 2020 by an average of seven points in what was supposed to be a good year for Republicans. Democrats and women in particular started registering to vote in much higher numbers. Our candidates dramatically outraised Republican candidates and parties in general. Um, 
We blew it out in the early vote in the state after state, and then in the battleground states, we outperformed expectations and gained ground over 2020 in Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, and Pennsylvania, getting to 59% in Colorado, 57% in Michigan, 55% in, in uh, he says Michigan again, I think that was a mistake. Anyway, he talks about how we are really well organized we know how to raise money. Kelly Morrison is really good at this. Her campaigns have been incredible. And that's why she's going to now become my congressperson. And so I think she'll be the first Democratic woman congressperson in this district in the history of Minnesota, probably. So, well, we have uh, come to the end of our show here. We're running out of time. I was just starting to have fun. Dang, that went fast, didn't it? Todd Mickelson in for Matt McNeil today, tomorrow, and Monday. So I will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central Time here on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota.